1: It's all your fault. And yet God, through the ages, over and over and over again, extended his grace, extended his mercy, his long-suffering, as the word says, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal or everlasting life. God, it's your fault, the reason I'm the way I am. No, it's your sinfulness, it's your rebellion. That's the reason you are the way you are. Man is truly dense and he is wicked. That's just the reality of it.
0: Have you ever met anyone who shakes their fist at God? Maybe they had something terrible happen to them, like a death in the family. As Christians, we can try to share God's goodness with them, but it's a hard job when they're so jaded and hurt. Pastor David urges us to keep loving people. Whatever they're going through is between them and the Lord. Our job is to share Jesus. They may or may not make the choice to worship God, but we can rest knowing that we did everything in our power. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 17 with today's edition of The Open Word.
1: We're going to be in Revelation 17, and I reminded you last week that we went through the uh, the seven bowl judgments. That there was a lot of similarities between those bowl judgments and some of the other judgments, between the seals, the seal judgments, as well as the trumpet judgments. and Now we come to these bowl judgments. So there's a lot of similarities, but there was a lot of differences too. They're not the same thing. God is doing something different in the midst of all of these. Bowl number one, there was these foul, these loathsome sores that were coming out. They came upon the people that had received the mark of the beast and had worshiped the beast. Bowl number two, the sea would turn to blood. Everything in it dies. Bowl number three, the rivers and the springs turn to blood. Bowl number four, seems like the atmospheric filter had been removed by God and the men are scorched by the sun. And yet they continue to blaspheme God in the midst of his punishment, in the midst of the judgment that God's bringing to him. Bowl number five, the kingdom of the beast is turned into darkness. Men begin to literally gnaw on their tongues because of the pain that they're having. And yet at the same time, they continue to blaspheme God, and there's absolutely no repentance. By the time we get to bowl number six, the river Euphrates has dried up, allows a way for the kings of the east to be able to come down. Demonic spirits are released by the dragon, by the beast, by the false prophet. And that draws these kings of the east to come down to that area of the battle known as Armageddon. Then there was Bol 7 in chapter 16 in verse 17. It says, that seventh angel poured out his bowl into the earth, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done, it is done. Those are powerful words. Whether it be from Christ on the cross when he says, it is finished, you know that the plan and the purpose of God for whatever that event was, was completed. And here now, as we're going through these judgments, these bold judgments, it is done, And it says that there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. There was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had never occurred since men were on the earth. Now that great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. Great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And we're actually going to be speaking about Mystery Babylon tonight. But here it still says, every island fled away, the mountains were not found, great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And still it says, men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Now, you have to agree, at this point in time, in all of the world, there was absolute chaos it was absolute confusion calamity going on every direction we don't know how long it is between each one of these bold judgments we don't know how long each one lasted but in the midst of all of this you would think that it was long enough to get man's attention and yet they still didn't repent They still continued to blaspheme and come against God, the only one that could save them. And not only did they not repent, not only did they not turn, but literally blaspheming him even at that point in time. In the midst of the judgment of their sin, they turned, they blasphemed, they blamed God for the situation that they were in. I I think, are you kidding me? You're you're blaming God because of your wickedness, because of the consequences of your sin, the situation you find yourself in. Now, I know that we never do that ourselves today, do we? Suddenly we find ourselves in in a certain situation and we think, God, how did I get there? And the reality is that if we were to stop and we were to look back at the choices that we made in our life, no, this wasn't suddenly a one of those bright moments that we suddenly come alive. No, it's been a process of things that we find. It's the consequences of our sin. But I thought God loved me. I thought God forgave me my sin. Absolutely, he forgives our sin. But you know what? If we do stupid stuff, stupid stuff will happen. That's just the reality about it. God will forgive us. God does forgive us. But we still are faced many times with those consequences. Amen, or is that just me? Yeah. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Doesn't mean that He will not take, even in the mess that we've made of things, and work through all things working together for good. Not that all things are good, but He'll even work in the messes of our life to bring about that good. But you know what? At this point in time, here in the book of Revelation, sorry, time's up. It's done. It's over. And the wrath of God is being poured out on man and man is blaming God for it. We see it even in our day. A Northern California homeowner was being sued by the burglary suspect for returning fire. The suspect alleged that Jay Leon, who is 90 years old, negligently shot the intruder. (laughs) According to CBS in San Francisco, suspect Samuel Gutrofelli was charged with two counts of attempted murder against Leon, the homeowner, who was shot in the face on January the 3rd, this is back in 2012. Police said Gutrefelli was wounded when Leon returned fire. Now, according to Leon, the homeowner, the incident began when Gutrafelli kicked in the door of his home. He was then ordered to not move as Gutrofelli went through his house searching for valuables. But after a while, Leon, the homeowner, insisted at 90 years old, hey, I've got to go use the bathroom. And so he convinced Gutrofelli to let him go and use the restroom. Well, Leon happened to have a three fifty seven revolver hidden in the toilet tank of his bathroom. Okay? So what's that? If you go and rob somebody old, you know, just be careful of that. Okay? So, as he went into the bathroom, he grabs his 357, he ran back, he points it at the burglar, but the burglar also had his gun. The burglar, Gutrofelli, fired first, and he hits Leon in the cheek. But Leon, he was a former county deputy sheriff, he paused before returning fire, and the gunman began begging for his life. But Leon emptied the weapon anyway. <laughs> Leon says, after he shot me, I looked him straight in the eye, and then he starts saying, the bad guy, starts saying, don't kill me, don't kill me, I've got a daughter. And I said, forget about it. Well, that wasn't really the words that Leon used. He (laughs) says, forget about it, and he goes, pow, pow, pow. He empties his gun on the guy. But the ordeal wasn't over because out of the shots that he fired, only one hit the gunman. The gunman rushed on Leon. He's wounded, the gunman's wounded, they get into a scuffle. Sure enough, he wrestles Leon to the floor, grabs his gun, puts it right at Leon's head and pulls the trigger and click. His gun was empty. So at that point, he gets all panicky and he runs out the door. The police were called, they finally got him. He actually ended up calling the police, claiming he shot himself. That's what it was. They took him to the hospital for treatment but they also arrested him for suspicion of burglary and attempted murder. But now he's suing the 90-year-old man who allegedly tried to kill him. In the end day, that's what people are going to do. God, it's, it's all your fault. And yet God, through the ages, over and over and over again, extended his grace, extended his mercy, As long-suffering, as the word says, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal or everlasting life. God, it's your fault, the reason I'm the way I am. No, it's your sinfulness, it's your rebellion. That's the reason you are the way you are. Man is truly dense, and he is wicked. That's just the reality of it. And soon the whole world is going to be in that mode it makes me look so forward to the rapture. Just get us out of here before it gets so strange and so bizarre. It's already strange and bizarre, but it's going to get worse. So here we are. We moved now to chapter 17. Let's get into this. In chapter 17, he says, beginning in verse 1, Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bulls, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on the many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. We now move into this great time, literally of a general judgment over the whole world from that time to a specific judgment of someone or something that's called the great harlot. Four times during this chapter, she's called the great harlot, and her sin is committing fornication. That's what it says here. And Later in verse 5, we see that she has that name, Babylon the Great, or Mystery Babylon the Great. Now, we first ran into that name back in chapter 14. We read that another angel had followed saying, Babylon is falling, Babylon is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. So again, due to the context of that verse back in chapter 14, some have said there appears to be some sort of worship or religious connection that's going on with this woman or with this system. And I'm not completely certain as I look at this straight on that the beast is worshipped definitely. His image is worshipped definitely. But those are separate from, and yet they are connected with this woman and with this system. Here in chapter 17, we're going to see a few things that we can interpret. We can see a few things that the angel interprets for us. But first of all, the declaration that this great harlot sits on many waters. We see that right at the beginning there in verse 1. Down in verse 15, the angel actually explains that. Well, those many waters which you saw, that's where the harlot sits. Well, those are peoples. Those are multitudes, nations, and tongues or languages. Therefore, this woman or this system that we see touches all the nations of the world, all of the people of the world, across nationalities, across languages, the great harlot seems to have some influence that impacts everyone all around the world. And This is further verified by the fact that back here in verse 2, at the beginning of chapter 17, verse 2, we read that the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So you've got the leadership, the kings, as well as the common people. All of them somehow are involved with this great harlot. The power of this woman, again, she holds this power over authorities, over people of of apparently every rank and status all throughout the world, very influential, even to the point Of bringing these people to do the things that they possibly would normally do in a sane sense of mind. But, beloved, by the time we get here, I don't think people are in a sane sense of mind because they're not thinking any rationality at all. Number one, I believe that the Holy Spirit's impact on the people of the world has already been removed with the rapture of the church, and people literally are left to themselves left to themselves to look and to try to understand, to grasp of what's going on. And people at this point in time, the only thing that they have to hold on to are the physical things that they see. Their focus is all about me. I'm not too worried about you at this point. I'm worried about me surviving because the world is just imploding all around me. All of the plagues, all of the things that are going on. Her influence, her authority She's made the people drunk with the wine of her fornication. They are so led by their fleshly appetites at this point in time. And as John now is taken into the wilderness to see this, there in verse 3, he sees the woman sitting on top of the scarlet beast. That's interesting. She's sitting on top of the scarlet beast as though she has control over the beast. We find out later she does not have control over the beast. In verse 4, tells us that she's adorned with these multiple colors, with jewels. Again, all of this speaking of earthly power, of, of dominance, of some kind of authority that she's got. In the midst of all of her influence in the world, she holds this cup, this golden cup that's filled with the abominations of the filthiness of her fornication. Abominations, filthiness of her fornication. Do you think they're trying to tell us something here? That the wickedness and the depth of the wickedness of this woman or of the system or whatever she is symbolizing, again, is just overwhelmingly wicked. It's like there's nothing that can stop her or stop her wickedness. She's got all of this control, covered herself, adorned with purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, that golden cup. with all of this. And on her forehead, there is written that name, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. Not just a great harlot. No, she is the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And she takes that title and wears it proudly, saying, you are over all of this wickedness, this abominations, these fornications, the filthiness of the world. She appears as the queen of the abominations of the world. And not only had others become drunk with her fornications, she herself had become drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. It says here, when I saw her, John writes, I marveled with great amazement. I think the wickedness of it all just overwhelmed him. Have you ever seen wickedness? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody comes into your presence or you've seen something happen and man, that's just overwhelmingly wicked? I believe that some of you have and now take that and just not just multiply it, but you know, take it by the power of you know, however many. It's so huge because she is the mother of abominations and filthiness and wickedness. And I, John, whew, I stood there. I marvelled with great amazement. I believe that he was trying to fully understand who she was. And I think, man, what is this that is so dark, so so gross, so? perverse that's standing before me significance of who she was and even of who the beast was and so the angel begins to explain this down in verse seven but the angel said to me why did you marvel well because i don't understand what's going on that's the best answer no the angel says why did you marvel i'm going to tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has seven heads and ten horns now i'm sure that there's you know A whole lot of things that happen in the spiritual world that you and I, through our life, through our experience, we we marvel at. We marvel at stuff God does. Wow, how in the world. God put this into play. We're talking about the radio station. I mean, we stand amazed every time we think about how God brought that about, just miracle after miracle after miracle. Some of you sitting here tonight, you're an absolute miracle that you're here even tonight. Because, again, this amazing stuff that you and I, this side of heaven, we'll never really understand, but we just say, man, to the glory of God. And I just know that it's his hand that's working. But you know what? On on the other side of that, that spirit of darkness, that spirit of evilness and wickedness, the enemy is active also. There's stuff that's going on in this world that, man, we just stand amazed at. We look at the stuff that's going on with ISIS and these beheadings and not only the ones that they videotape, but the fact that they go into these villages and they're beheading and they're slaughtering and maiming women and children and all kinds of atrocities, we stand and we, we marvel at that. We're just absolutely amazed that that much wickedness could be in an individual or a group of individuals. But beloved, I want to tell you this right now, you ain't seen nothing yet because right now the Holy Spirit is still on this earth. Can you imagine when he, with the church, is removed from here and the wickedness of man will be loosed and the darkness that's got to be there. So the angel first starts with this explanation. He doesn't start with a woman. He starts with the explanation of the beast. And again, as we saw earlier in this study in Revelation, the beast, first of all, he represents the false Christ. Now, the angel here is going to give us a little bit more information. We're going to see that even the angel's explanation requires some interpretation. Okay, look at verse 8. The beast, the angel speaking to John, the beast which you saw and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast, catch it, that was, and is not, and yet is. The angel is explaining the beginning of this beast. He ascended out of that bottomless pit. But he also says, I can tell you his beginning and his end. He ascended out of the bottom of the split, but you know what? He's going to go into perdition too. There's going to be great judgment upon him. His ending has already been written, John. Don't worry about this. You see it before you in this vision, but don't worry about it. His end has already been written. So the whole idea of the fact that he was and then he is not and yet is again, again speaks about this false Christ appearance that he has back in chapter 13 we read where the beast had received this deadly wound and yet he was healed and all the world marveled and they followed after the beast and began worshiping the beast and then they built the image and they were to worship the image too this is the idea of he was and is not and yet he is the dragon was the one that gave the authority to the beast To bring him back to life. And so thus again, the world is going to marvel. They're going to be more than willing to believe the lie. Why? Because they saw this miraculous thing happen. Wow, he received this mortal wound. He should have been dead, this false Christ, but now he's back alive. And again, the Holy Spirit's not here. They are on their own. And so they're more than willing to believe the lie. Paul tells us in Romans 1, chapter 25, how man has always exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and how he worships and serves the creature rather than the creator. It's going to be even worse in those days.
0: The letters to the churches found in Revelation 2 and 3 repeat the phrase, To the one who overcomes, followed with a promise centered in God's goodness to his people. What does overcoming look like for you today? Maybe it's just getting up in the morning, getting dressed, and going out into life. Maybe it's continuing to sing his praises even through a tough circumstance. Maybe overcoming today is holding on to that small hope that tomorrow can be a better day in your marriage. Take some time today to check out those promises, remembering to hold on to Jesus because he is our hope. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. We know that life is tough. But doing life in community can make even the hardest situation more bearable. With that in mind, here's Pastor David with an invitation for you. Hey, if you're in the Casa
1: Grande area and you're looking for a church to attend, I'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. At 6.30 p.m., we meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday evenings. You can find directions and a little more about the church by visiting theopenword.com. Follow the links at the bottom of the page to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I'm excited to have you be a part of our time of Bible study and fellowship. Our website, one more time, is theopenword.com. Information about the church is at the bottom of that page, the link for Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Pastor David still has much to share, though, so be sure to tune in again to continue walking verse by verse through Revelation. That's right here on The Open Word.